living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Probably one of the more famous episodes in Jesus' life in the scriptures. It's one that you know very well. But uh, we want to look at this, this one very simple gift that's given by this anonymous person, unnamed in scripture, and we're going to learn some valuable lessons from this, this gift today. John chapter 6, and there's a lot going on in this passage of scripture. I'll warn you in advance, there's a lot going on. We're going to look at this in, in some detail. But we're going to look at some very simple messages. It says in verse 1, John chapter 6, Gospel John. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? By this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five loaves, five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in, that, in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. I'm going to push the pause button in the text because we'll come back and read the rest of it. But uh, I want us to think about what's going on. Now there's several layers that I'll just give you quickly that hopefully will kind of deepen the, the context of the, of the passage. First of all, we see that this happens on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which was uh, kind of the, the early headquarters or central focus of Jesus' ministry when he was on the earth. There's a multitude coming. They were coming because they'd seen miracles, primarily healing miracles is what they had been seeing. And so they're coming in, in massive amounts. It tells us, verse 4, it was Passover time. We're near to Passover time. And that's a little clue that there's something more that's going on than just the story that's going on. When you think of Passover, you and I tend to think of the Last Supper, right? This is my body, this bread is the body which is broken for you, this cup, the blood, and so forth. But also, it was a picture of God's deliverance from the Old Testament that was around a meal. The setting is all around a meal, all around a table, the Passover meal. So that is going on. It tells us that when the little boy shows up, he has five barley loaves. And also the time of Passover was about the time that the barley, they would celebrate the barley harvest and it would start to come in. And barley was sort of the, 
the every man's grain, okay? There was different grains that they would raise in their agricultural society, but this was sort of like the, this was the, the, the low rung of the ladder when it came to grains. So that is going on. And then if you want to s- slip your eyes forward, this is a long chapter of the Bible. There's 71 verses in John chapter 6. But if you kind of look ahead then it's a little bit further, it tells us that he has this discussion about the bread from heaven. And he describes himself, I am the bread of heaven. And there's a background story in the Old Testament, which I'll come back to in a moment. And there's a lot of controversy. In fact, if you just want to skip all the way down to verse 52, it says, The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Because he said, You need to partake of me as the bread of heaven. And also it tells us, if you go all the way down to verse 66, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So it was a great controversy, a great stirring, trying to figure out who Jesus is. And it all starts because there was one person who was willing to give up his lunch. And we meet him in verse 9. And I want to think about this person. And I want to think of the lessons we can learn. We want to think of the deeper lessons as well. We want to think about what is going on in this one person's life, it says. Now, he's unnamed, and it's Andrew, who's, who's Peter's, Simon Peter's brother, said to him. There's a lad here. We would say that, a young boy. And uh, so it says that he has this lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, think of barley loaves as, I, I, I have to put it in West Virginia context, okay? Small pepperoni rolls, okay? That's what I think of, okay? There's no pepperoni in the, in the barley loaves, but just, just a kind of a small loaf. It's not like a big, giant loaf of bread. Just a small little hand loaf of bread, okay? So enough for one little boy to have a, have a reasonable lunch, and maybe he can snack on a, on, a, on a little bit as he's going home, that sort of thing. And now think about this. This is all set up by Jesus asking a question in verse 5, and he asks it to Philip in particular, where should we buy bread that these may eat? Interesting about this particular miracle this is the only miracle of Jesus that's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. So there's something special about it. There's something significant about it because it really becomes a dividing line as you see John develop it here in chapter 6. Are people going to just see Jesus as a provider of earthly stuff, earthly bread, earthly healing? Or are they going to accept Jesus as the one who God sent to provide for us spiritual food? And it says he sat on the mountain early in this text, so he's teaching them. He's already been feeding them. He's already fed this multitude, but he's feeding them spiritually by teaching them the word of God. It says that when he saw them coming, he, he makes this statement. He lifted up his eyes, it says, and seeing the great multitude coming, it says in verse 5. In Mark's account, it says he saw them and was moved with compassion toward them. He knew that they were hungry. He knew they had a need. He had a heart for them. And he reaches out to do something about them. So he asked Philip this question. Philip, do the calculation. How much is this going to cost? Philip maybe had a uh, mathematical mind, or maybe he was just the one that happened to be closest to Jesus. I don't know why he gets asked the question. But then he does this quick calculation. He says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that everybody may have literally have a bite. 200 denarii would, uh, 300 denarii, uh, denarii is basically wages for one day. Okay, so 200 days wages, however you want to parse that out in our economy, a good sum of money. So that wouldn't be enough to buy what they need just for everybody to have a bite. In other words, he's saying, we've done the calculation and we have been left with a deficit. And then almost to illustrate the hopelessness of the situation, 
Andrew says, well, there's one boy here. He's got five loaves, two fish, but this isn't going to make it. This isn't going to make it. It's not going to help. Why do you think he discovered this one little boy's lunch? Now, I'm going to do some surmising. I'm going to do some imagining. And I, I will admit that up front. I can't, you know, I, I wasn't there listening in. I don't have, a, I don't have all the backstory. But I would surmise. Now, there's, there says there's 5,000 men here when they're seated, okay? It says that in all four Gospels. It says men specifically, okay? Males specifically. So we would assume that was just their way of counting. So you have to add there had to have been women there. There had to have been children there. How many were there? 10,000, 15,000, 20,000? A lot of people. We don't know exactly. So more than the 5,000, that's just how they sort of counted and arranged it. We usually call this the feeding of the 5,000, but in all likelihood there was more. And do you suppose that the only person out of maybe 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people, that he was the only person that thought ahead to bring some food with him? You and I will, are living in a world where most of us won't drive from home to work without having a snack on board the vehicle somewhere, right? Uh, and you've got to have stuff in the back for the kids, right? You've got these little cups and sippy cups full of all kind of snacky things. We, we, we think ahead. I'm going to have some food. I'm going to have some way to go. And now with the invention of the drive-through, we, we have instant access to all kinds of foodstuffs. Maybe not always what's good for us, but we have access to food. Somebody in this crowd besides one kid had food. But only one kid said, I have some. I have some. What, how are we going to feed these people? I have some. There was one child who was willing to say, you could have it. Because there was one child who was a child who didn't do the calculating like us smart adults. Well, what's that for so many? You can have it. It's not going to work. You can have it. Everybody else is hiding their food in their, you know, under their you know, under their garments, and I don't, I don't want to share. We're gonna, I, I, I got to have what I have, and for my family, I don't want anyone else to have it. And one little boy says, here, why don't you take this? Now, I guess Andrew could have just went over and snatched it. I guess he could have just snatched the bag out of the kid's hands. and just. I, but I don't want to assume that, that any of Jesus' disciples would be that ornery and overbearing. So I think it was offered willingly. And here's what this message, this passage looking at it from the eyes of this unnamed little boy teach us. Number one, we always have too little. We always have too little. We never have enough. Now we think, we're thinking about parents today and, and uh, we, we're, we're you know, praying for these families that are dedicating their children and all that. But do you think about parents? Do you have enough energy to get these children raised? I mean, sometimes you can't even get them out the door to school in the morning, you know? And maybe you've had that experience. Julie was reminding me earlier this week about, uh, about, you know, when our kids were little, you know, you'd come to the door and you're ready to go to church in the morning and, you know, I can't find one of my shoes. You know, why can you find one shoe and not find the other shoe? Where does, where do shoes go? Where, where does this, how does this happen? Some of you are really relating to this more than anything else I've said so far this morning, the lost shoes part. So you know, raising kids, it's beyond us. And then you realize how much it costs to raise children, to educate them, and to feed them and clothe them. And this is, this is in an age where everything seems to be getting expensive very fast and going up. And how are you going to, everything we are called to do, we have too little, if you do the calculation. 
Everything that we're called to do by God, we have too little of it to do it. You think of it, God calls us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all around the world and share it and live it and, and to do amazing things and help people that are in need. How do, I mean, we have, we have the resources we have. And if you do the calculation, we don't have enough to do what we're called to do. Here's what you need to do. Not do the calculation. Simply do this, what this one little boy does. He simply does, does this. This is what we should do. So give whatever it is you have to Jesus. You know the rest of the story, so you're, you have an unfair advantage of where I'm going here. Okay, You know the rest of the story. One little boy's lunch becomes everybody's lunch. And there's enough leftovers that it's everybody's lunch, a bunch of people's lunch the next day, okay? And uh, so they, they didn't have doggy bags. They had doggy baskets, I guess, in that day. And obviously, in their day, they weren't big on feeding dogs like we would in our, in our world today. But, so you know the rest of the story. But he simply gave what he had, and Jesus did the rest. Now, I want you to, from the, from the standpoint of us having too little, I want you to think with me at least some categories of things that we have too little of that we can give to the Lord. Maybe for some of us it's like, well, you know what? I, I have a little bit of talent in a particular area. It's not much, but I seem to have a knack for this or that. Or I have a knack for working with people or I have a knack for organization or I have a knack for some artistry or I have a knack for fixing things or I have a knack for encouraging people or I have a knack for communicating or I have a knack for... Just, just you know, being there for people and helping them any way I can, just being sort of practical help for people. I have a little bit of ability, but if you do the calculation, what's that among so many? What is that to solve the problem that's at hand? Here's what God wants you to do. Whatever that little bit of talent is, take it and simply say this. And I, I want to encourage you to do this into your, in, put these words into your prayer life and actually say them. This is not metaphorical this is literal okay to simply say lord i have this much ability this much talent i want to give it to you the fact that you would offer that as a gift of of worship to the lord you know what amazing things can he do with that i'm amazed the people that have talents that i don't have the people can do things that i i, I don't have and and there's some of you that can do practical things can fix things and uh, we had one of our ladies in the church a while back that had a situation where she had some unsafe steps on her house. And she was having some mobility problems, and these steps were just, we need to do something. You would not want to send me on that job, okay? I could have brought the snacks. That's about all I would have been good for on that job. But we called the right people that had just enough talent to go. And I, I happened to be at this lady's house for another occasion. And I walked by and I saw these steps. And I'm like, wow. Wow. I remember saying to a couple of the men that worked on the steps project, that was amazing. Oh, it wasn't nothing. It was, it was small. It was life-changing in the life of one of our elderly people. Sometimes we say, well, you know what? I don't have a lot of talent. In fact, my life is filled with a lot of failure. A lot, of, a lot of false starts, a lot of things I've tried, and it's just, I've never found, I've never found my sweet spot, I'm, or I'm struggling to stay in my sweet spot. I just seem to have not much talent, not much traction, not much success to offer God. 
So give him whatever you have. Give him your failures. Give him your track record. What he really wants is the heart of this young man. He could have done what he needed to do without his barley loaves. He could have done what he needed to do. Jesus could have done what he needed to do without his two fish that he brought for lunch. He could have done it without anything. What he really wanted was a heart that says, whatever I have, you take it. You use it. You use it. You might say, well, I got a little time. Not much. My, my calendar's full. I've yet to have anyone in my entire years of ministry ever come to me and says, my, Pastor, my, my biggest spiritual problem is I just have too much free time on my hands and I can't, can't seem to fill it with stuff that needs done. No, we all are, we're all like at max volume when it comes to our time quotient. But you got a little bit of time? Got a few moments? Lord, you can take this moment. You can take this. Uh, some of us sleep in places where you have a, an illuminated clock around. Where when you, so if you wake up in the middle of the night, you, you know what time it is. I'm not sure that's healthy. I, someone needs to explain whether that's healthy or not. But uh, I saw 3.05 last night on the little illuminated clock in my bedroom. And I'm, I'm having trouble getting back to sleep. And it's like, and I've been thinking about this, you know. I'm like, okay, Lord, i got a little bit of time. It's 3.05 a.m. I hope I have a little bit of time and I can get back to sleep. But what am I going to do in this time? Lord, I want to give you this time to you. There was time just to pray for a couple things that were on my heart. He wants our heart to say, whatever we have, give to him. Maybe you feel like you are the most unlikely person for God to ever use in any significant way. And by the way, we have an enemy that likes to tell us that God can't use us because of all of our sin and all of our baggage and how insignificant you are and how, how messed up you are and how all the, you know, all the stuff in your past, all your baggage. That's the only people God has to use if he uses people. We are all sinners. We are all messed up. We all have baggage. And maybe you say, I'm the most unlikely. Take your unlikeliness and take it as an act of worship and you can do that this very second and say, Lord, could you use me in some way? I offer myself. I don't know what that means. This little boy had no idea he was going to feed thousands of people out of his lunch bucket, out of his lunch bag, or lunch basket, whatever he had it in. He had no clue what God was going to do, but all he did was say, you can have it. God wants us to say as an act of worship that you can have it. Let's look at the rest of the story, which you know very well. Verse 10, Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, there he, he, he makes it a spiritual thing. It's not just food. It's, Lord, we're giving you thanks. You're providing. You are the bread of heaven. And this is a picture of God providing through himself the bread of heaven. Now, the disciples should not have been shocked that God could feed large groups of people out of almost nothing or nothing. Because there's this story you find back in the Old Testament when they were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years that God sent them six days a week bread laying on the ground when they woke up in the morning. Talk about a time saver that would be. There was bread laying on the ground called manna every day. And on the sixth day they got twice as much so they didn't have to gather it on the Sabbath day. And God provided for them all the time. So they, sh they should have not been shocked by this, but... Oftentimes the things you and I read in the Bible, and then when God pulls it into our life in real time in our lives today, we're shocked by it. 
but uh, that's, that's what's about to take place. So he gave thanks. He, made his, he brought this spiritual dimension in. He distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to them sitting, those sitting down, and likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. So they wound up with more than they started with after everybody had more than enough to eat. And let me tell you, when people are giving out free food, people, people's appetite increases. Have you ever noticed that? And they had a big meal. They had all that they needed. And then look what it says in verse 14. This is John's putting the spotlight on what's happening. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is is to come into the world. They were close, not complete. He was the prophet to come into the world, but he also was the Savior to come into the world. Verse 15, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to a mountain by himself alone. They were going to force him to be king. I mean, if you can feed us like this, you, we don't even need an election. We don't even need anointing. You are going to be the king. We're going to force you to be king. And he flees from that. And then you see verse 66 just down the page we just read a little bit ago. After all this controversy and all this back and forth, many of his own disciples, not the 12, but the greater group of disciples, stopped following him because they could, not, they could accept that he could feed them physically, but they could not accept that he could feed them spiritually as the Savior of the world. So we always have too little, so, we give, him, so give him what you have. Here's the second part, which is equally obvious. He always has all that is needed. He always has all that is needed. Remember what it says? I love this. John's the only gospel that records this, where it says in verse 6, after he said in verse 5, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This was all part of the plan. This is all part of the teaching. This is all part of the demonstration. He always said, Jesus was never sitting around saying, man, these people are hungry and we don't have enough food. The disciples were saying that. Maybe anyone who was in earshot of this conversation about how we're going to feed these people were thinking that way. But this never, ever, 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 ever entered the mind of Christ. Why? Because he always has all that is needed. How often in our lives, I plead guilty, you can plead your own case, okay? You can enter your own, own plea into the courtroom of, of your own heart. And that is simply this. We believe that I, I don't have enough. This isn't going to work. How's this gonna, how, is this ever going to change? He has all that is needed. So what do we do? So give him what you have. Same thing, give him what you have. This little boy, not knowing what was happening, simply says on some level, Lord, you take this. And the amazing thing is when you put things into the Lord's hands, it may not be as dramatic as what happened on the hillside along the Sea of Galilee that day. But he can do some amazing things. He may be doing things that you and I don't even know about. So what do we give him? What can we give him? Maybe you have an idea. Maybe you have a passion. Maybe you have a calling. Maybe you feel God tugging you to do something for him. And you say, I can't get there. 
There's no way for, to get from here to there. I don't know how to do that. I don't have the strength. I don't have the education. I don't have the opportunity. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. If God's tugging your heart, take that and give it to him and see what he'll do with it. Don't do the calculation. Make the offering. Maybe what you could give to the Lord is an attitude of helpfulness. And I know this is true of you because I experience it from so many of you. And really, I believe it and, and I, I feel it from all of you. That you deep down have a desire that you want to be helpful to this church, to me personally, to other people in the body of believers. You just want to help. You don't want to be in the way. You want to help. You don't want to be someone who's, you know, negative Nelly down on everything, but you want to help. You may not know what to do. You may not know how it's going to work, but if you have the opportunity, you want to help. That attitude of helpfulness, Lord, I give it to you. I give it to you. Maybe it's, we talked earlier about your, your potential abilities or talents. Maybe you look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm at a point in life where I have more liabilities than I have abilities. I have some struggles. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's pressure in some situation in life. Relationships. Maybe it's what life has done to you to this point. You know what? Paul had a similar situation. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about it. He said, I, three times I prayed to the Lord. I had this thing. He simply described this way as a thorn in the flesh. Don't know exactly what it was, but it doesn't, does not sound like fun. He says, I prayed to the Lord. You'd think Paul, I mean, Paul, this is the apostle Paul, wrote this big chunk of the New Testament. You'd think if he asked something from God, God's going to just deliver it on a silver platter, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd think Paul's going to get his prayers answered, right? And he says three times, and God simply said, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to pull that thorn out of your flesh, but I'm going to use your disability, your liability for greater good. And he says this, and just kind of put this into the template of your thinking. He said, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You say, all I've got to give God is weakness. All I've got is disability. All I've got is liabilities. I want to encourage you to do this. Do what this little boy did. He, had, he, just had, he had some fish, dried fish and some barley loaves. Take it. Take it. Offer it to God. He knows all about it anyway. He knows all about the problems. Maybe no one else knows about it. We tend to keep those things very private and secret. We don't like to, you know, we don't like to broadcast our liabilities or our disabilities. But you know what? He wants us to take it to him. And maybe you've come this morning and your greatest liability is you don't have a relationship with God because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. The great news is you can say, Lord, take that. Take this lost life of mine as we talked about in that song just a little bit ago you can you can bring that resurrection power into my life you can have your sins forgiven because he died on the cross to pay that price for you if you will just believe in him and accept his gift of salvation if we could help you understand what that means see one of us as pastors or maybe you have a christian friend you came with today they would be glad to help you understand what it means to be a, to come to the savior 5,000 men and a whole bunch of others had a meal. It was so profound that the people reacted emotionally. And they wanted to force Jesus into kingship that was not part of his plan because he had to go to the cross. 
It was so significant that all four gospel writers mention it to remind us that we always have too little and he always has everything that's needed and all that waits for us as an act of worship because we recognize that he is God. My liabilities, my abilities, my disability, my time, my stuff, my failures, the unlikeliness of myself or even my own lostness. You have the opportunity, I have the opportunity to say, Lord, here it is. I give it to you. Whatever you have, give it to him. Just a moment, we're going to sing a song. The place team's going to lead us in a song of just about our salvation, that we are saved. And maybe of all the things that we could just simplify this this morning, to say, Lord, we, we, we gave our lostness to you and you saved us. Maybe that's a good bookend on our worship this morning. And may God remind us, may God motivate us, may God push us, may God coerce us, if need be, into being people who say, Lord, whatever I got, the mess that it is, I give it to you. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.